Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Good morning and Merry Christmas. My name is Pastor Lori Silvestri, and I do ministry with families here at White's Chapel who have loved ones who have disabilities or who are differently abled. And it is my honor and my privilege to be with you here on this very sacred and holy Christmas day. And like most of you, probably all of you, my house is maxed out with signs of Christmas today. There's wrapping paper and boxes and ribbons, a tree filled with ornaments and lights, so much shiny and sparkly everywhere inside of my house. And one of my favorite decorations is this nativity made by my mother. She surprised us with this whenever we were first married. It's a very special and meaningful reminder of exactly why I do all of the decorating and celebrating each Christmas. It reminds me that this day isn't about the gifts. It's about that baby. It's about the Christ child who's laying in that manger. The little newborn baby Jesus sweetly sleeping in the hay. Or since he was fully human, Maybe he was fussing and keeping his parents awake. Since he was fully divine, maybe feeling the holy weight of the entire world resting in his tiny infant hands. We're all so familiar with the birth story of the baby Jesus. And here is how the story goes according to Matthew in chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quickly and quietly. And as he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet could be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Matthew focuses very heavily on Joseph in this birth narrative. It's funny, we know that this happy little holy family consists of a young mother, a father, and a baby. But we spend so much time focusing on mother and child. And Ken Nelson sings that fabulous song every Christmas Eve, Mary, Did You Know? And of course, we know that the baby Jesus is the very son of God, who is the cornerstone of our faith, the one whose birth and life show us what it means to be fully alive, and whose death and resurrection show us how to receive life. 
Okay, so here's a test. We'll see how awake you are on this Christmas morning. Did you all notice anything strange in the picture of my nativity? Take another look. Something missing? Someone missing? It was when our boys were probably about six to eight years old, I noticed that something was amiss with our nativity scene. All the characters had been rearranged. And it was then that I made this shocking discovery. Joseph is gone. And still to this day, I don't know exactly what happened to him. I suspect it has something to do with two brothers and a Nerf football. So now each year, we have to decide who or if anyone is Joseph stand-in. Is it a magi, a shepherd? They've all had their turns. And through the years, we've had some really interesting um, stand-ins for Joseph. There's been the little people Joseph, the dog Joseph, incredible Hulk Joseph, and the Lego minifig Aquaman Joseph, and others. But it dawns on me that this is a very telling situation. Like the Joseph from my nativity scene, the real Joseph also has this really vague existence. Because in our minds and our own retellings of this story, Joseph seems to fade into the background. He becomes a supporting character. Joseph appears to be one of those silent but strong types who doesn't say very much, but whenever he does speak, it's very powerful. Later on in chapter 13, Matthew tells us that Joseph is a carpenter. In the original Greek text, the word tekton is used and can be translated as builder. In Joseph's day, there are tektons and there are architectons. Architectons are master builders and they build grander things like temples and houses. But Joseph isn't that. He's just a regular, regular old ordinary tecton who builds chairs and simple tables out of wood or stone. And for our purposes today, let's just say that Joseph was a builder, a visionary. And I'm really amazed at how an artist can look at a raw material and see right into the heart of it and have this vision to see a finished work of art. So when I see a, a log, I see a bench, or I'm sorry, where I see a log and um, a builder will see a bench or a table or a walking stick. And where I see a rock, they might see a bird bath or a house or a statue. The ability to see right into the heart of something and discover its true potential is an amazing gift. It's one that Joseph has, and apparently I don't. I've had one brush with building, if you can even call it that. We decided to build a playset in our backyard when our kids were little. So we bought one of those prefab playsets and hauled in those big heavy boxes into our backyards. And the kids were so anxious to play on their new playset, and we were excited to build it. And then we opened the boxes. And inside were hundreds and hundreds of screws and nuts and bolts and nails and washers and hooks and boards and beams. And even though that project was meant to be really simple with pre-drilled holes and hardware that was sorted out into bags for us, it was really overwhelming to see all of that stuff. 
It was meant to be easy, and the detailed instructions told us where to put everything and in what order. And our kids even put on their little tykes um, tool belts to help out with their plastic drills and their hammers and their screwdrivers. But mostly, all I could see was a mess. So all that our kids probably learned from me, stay out of mom's way when she's building. Jesus probably learned a lot more when building with his father. Being a good Jew, Joseph would have started teaching um, Jesus those tecton skills at about the age of 12. And when the townspeople asked, where did he, Jesus, get all of this wisdom? We naturally assume he gets it from his father, but we forget to ask, which father? His earthly father or his heavenly father? I think we sell Joseph short when we think about all of the lessons that he taught Jesus. The life lessons that a parent teaches a child are so powerful. There are explicit lessons like teaching a trade, teaching your child how to ride a bike, to say yes ma'am and no sir. And there are equally or maybe even more powerful unspoken lessons that a parent teaches to their child that shape their children in other important ways. Lessons that Joseph taught Jesus in my house. My husband Scott teaches our kids respect and kindness and flexibility. When mama's happy, everybody's happy. And that we're Cowboys fans, except when they're playing the Bears. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but Chicago is our home and our roots. Parents teach things like compassion and empathy. And we see this in Joseph's relationship with Mary. It's evident in the way that he handled finding out that his betrothed was pregnant. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? To find out that the person that you're marrying is pregnant and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not your child? It would be devastating. And yet, Joseph stays and he tries to quietly, secretly divorce Mary and free her of shame and public humiliation. Joseph doesn't do what people do nowadays across social media platforms and online, like unfriend her or swipe left or change his relationship status to it's complicated or whatever the equivalent that would have been in his day and age. He stays and he does the most respectful thing that anyone can possibly do in this situation. He puts Mary's feelings and well-being before his own. And Joseph is flexible and he adapts to new situations. When the angel visits him in his dreams and tells him not to be afraid and to proceed with the marriage, he does it. He immediately is faithful and trusting to God. You know, it's easy for us to hold his decisions lightly because we view this situation from 2020. We can pick up our Bibles and we can see how this whole situation gets worked out. But Joseph doesn't have this perspective. This story is being written each day of his life. We know that Joseph's courage and faith in God changed history, changed the world, but from his perspective, it's his life that has been upended. 
he's likely unsettled and scared and shocked. Yet he enters into it with all of the grace and confidence of a child of God. The first thing that Matthew tells us about Joseph is that he's a righteous man, which means that he does the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Old Testament Mosaic Laws states that a woman in Mary's situation is to be divorced or even stoned to death. And Joseph lives by Mosaic Law. And still, Joseph chooses to live into the call that God placed on his life, even though it goes against Mosaic Law. He puts people before politics. And he does this as he chooses to be the human father for Jesus. And when Joseph names Jesus, he's claiming him as his own by choice. And once he names him, it's recorded in the legal books that Jesus belongs to the lineage of King David. And Joseph, is, he's so patient. Nine months of pregnancy must have seemed like an eternity to him. Not only is he waiting for the birth of a baby, he's also waiting for the birth of a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. There isn't a version of what to expect when you're expecting that applies here. And what does it mean when your baby is Emmanuel, God with us? How do you prepare for that as a parent? Can you imagine swaddling God in a blanket? Burping God? Changing God's diapers? Scolding God for running away in the temple? Holding God while God is holding you? Parenting the cornerstone of the kingdom? Laying the foundation that the world rests on? That is an immense responsibility. And if we go back to that word tecton again and expand on it, we'll find that Joseph, in addition to being a wood and a stone builder, is a kingdom builder. Kingdom building is in his DNA. The legacy of kingdom building is written into the very fiber of his being. And scripture can be fulfilled because he is a descendant of King David. Joseph is building the kingdom as he raises and as he nurtures his child, who, yes, has the wisdom of God, is God, but also has Joseph as a father. Joseph's gift as a visionary is really important here because the kingdom of his ancestors and the kingdom of his son are totally different. And as we think of Joseph raising his son, who was both fully divine and fully human, we just find this really hard to imagine. Surely Joseph parented with all the trappings that come with ordinary parenting, and then some more complicated trappings. After all, how does one correct God? And how does one not correct your own child? But Jesus is fully human. And if he is as fully human as my own kids, I'm positive he got into some trouble with his brothers. 
Maybe they even tossed a ball in the house and broke Mary's nativity set. When our God put on flesh and bones and became a tiny, helpless, independent baby, Joseph was the one that God chose to care for God's own well-being. I think that signifies to us what is important in life and who and how we should strive to be. Because God made sure that Jesus had the firm and guiding hand of a father who could see the beauty that is hidden inside, who was compassionate and empathetic, who put others before himself, who was courageous and didn't back down from uncomfortable situations, who put people first, and above all, was faithful to God. And we see these lessons from Joseph play out over and over in Jesus' own life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. In his wisdom and compassion, Jesus sees right past the outer veneer of Zacchaeus and straight into his heart. In his empathy, Jesus cares for those on the margins and he invites them into the kingdom. Healing people who are sick and lame and blind. And as a builder, he not only restores their physical health, but he restores them to their families, to their communities, and to their places of worship. And in his righteousness, Jesus pushes back against the laws and he flips tables in the face of injustice, putting people over politics. He, like his earthly parents before him, surrendered to God's will, doing something wholly new, building a kingdom that was wholly different in his life and in his death and in his resurrection for all of our sakes. And in this wisdom and compassion and empathy, in his building and righteousness, in his deep care for people over religious performance or politics, Jesus inevitably was shaped by both his heavenly and his earthly father. And in being sons and daughters of Christ, we all have this legacy of building and shaping the kingdom. We are all kingdom builders. The question is, which kingdom are we building? The kingdom of the new covenant, where Jesus' love and grace are the cornerstones. Or the kingdom of Joseph's ancestors, where Mary might have been executed for appearing to be unfaithful to her husband, when she was actually being faithful to God. This year, I didn't replace Joseph in my nativity scene because he's not easily replaced. I invite you to notice that big gaping hole that is left without him and hold that empty space for Joseph along with me, allowing his unspoken lessons to wash over us too. May it be so. Will you pray with me? Oh God, in your overarching story of creation, you gave birth to this world and all that exists within it. And your creative work doesn't end there. On that very special and holy night so many years ago, you delivered a savior to us. 
and you keep delivering your love and saving grace in all of the moments of our lives. God, you've given us all we need. You've shown us how to live in this world through Jesus our Christ. May we continue his life-giving and salvific work in this weary world. Might we be bearers of compassion and peace and joy and love and hope and grace, fulfilling our legacy as kingdom builders. Not like in the days of old, but according to the new covenant that Jesus established, where there are two commandments, to love you, God, with all of our hearts, our beings, our minds, and to love all others as we love ourselves, maybe even better than we love ourselves. Oh God, keep drawing us closer to you, even when we go missing, because we all have a place, an important role in your kingdom work. God, continue to seek us until we resist no more, and until all things are gathered up as one under the Lordship of Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.